Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation. Man to man. No excuses are offered. None except. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. It's like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts. Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk man. I back it up. And we are sock full of that, man. right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. And that's the bottom line. Because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz, come strong. But don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns 24-7. I am Jeff Howe. Let's not waste any time. going to be a little bit of a shorter show this week, so let's make the most of what we've got. First off, wherever you're listening, however you're listening, we thank you so much for enjoying Longhorn Blitz and for the support you give to this podcast, 10 years and going strong. We would not be here without you, the listener, so thank you so much for your support of the Blitz. You can support this podcast a couple of different ways, namely search Horns 24-7. Anywhere you get your podcast, that's Horns247, no dashes, no slashes. Click that follow button. Get every episode of The Blitz when it drops on Tuesdays, and don't forget to leave us a five-star review. Also, you can get it at Horns247, Horns247.com, the latest and greatest in Longhorn team news, notes, and nuggets, the best recruiting coverage in the Texas market with Mike Roach and Hudson Standish. So get over to the site and check out what we've got going on over there. Let me bring in the rest of the team that will be alongside for this adventure. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire, our lead research analyst on Longhorn Blitz, and a daily fantasy guru. He is Matt Butler. How are you, sir? Doing pretty well, man. How about you? Happy to be done with rental cars and hotels and airports for a little <laughs> bit uh, when the baseball season's over. So it sucks the way, uh, sucks the way it ended for the Longhorns. You don't want to end your season losing to the Aggies. But, hey, uh, a season that ends in Omaha is better than one that doesn't. So, I guess it wasn't football. We still beat him in football last. So, so you got that going for you. <laughs> uh, uh, a man who actually beat the Aggies plenty of times while he was on the forty acres, three and one. It's true, it's your record against three the Aggies. game winning streak. Right. Babers ended okay. it on a three game winning streak. Uh, even thumped the Aggies pretty convincingly in your last game at Daryl K Royal Texas Memorial Stadium. Uh, he is. Uh, he wears a lot of hats. Uh, including co-hosting Ball Don't Lie with Mike Harge on the Horn each and every weekday from 3 to 7. But for the purposes of this podcast, he is our lockdown corner here on Longhorn Blitz. Lifetime Longhorn 2002 UT All-American 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth-round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003. Spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and a year with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. When he was done with football, he got himself back to Austin, Texas, and the 40 Acres where he earned his degree Whenever that T-ring comes back in, we will make sure he wears it proudly. Nevertheless, he's a card-carrying member of DBU, and when you get that All-American honor recognized by the NCAA, they make sure you get one of those black cards. Number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Thank you for the intro, brother. It's uh, Miss Money as always. I'm a little punchy this morning, so no, glad you liked it. Was, it. it was money good. in the bank. It was good. Uh, I want to kind of pick up where we left off last week. So this will be my last podcast. I won't be here next week. Not my last podcast ever. I know some of you are thinking, damn, I wish Jeff would be gone forever. <laughs> but 
Uh, no, I'm on vacation next week, so it's up to Matt and Rod to determine uh, what the Blitz, what Get form it, it carries next Get week. Done. Uh, but anyway, so just want to have, and this will be our last podcast. Now we'll get one more before Big Twelve Media Days. Oh man, yeah, you're right. That's fast approaching. Yeah, so we're man. I'm just yeah, you're right. July, we got one more in June, mid July. Yeah, this is our, July, this is our last pod. Well, boom. no, well, no, I take that is back. We've got we've got two more. We got okay. two more before Big Twelve Media. Okay. Days. Yeah. Uh, the fifth and the twelfth. Uh, I think his Big Twelve Media Day starts on the thirteenth. It's what I thought. Yeah, middle, yeah, man. Oh wow, that's cool. That's all right. I'm happy. Football and then season. Co- and then <laughs> coaching school's that following weekend. Yeah, and then, it made me happy right there. Thank you for so, saying that. So we're almost there. Mm-hmm. We've almost made it. Uh, but I do want to pick up on what we talked about last week. And Rod, it bleeds into. You know, we talked last week about hey, you know, Sark kind of assessing the situation at Texas on the fly. And maybe we've seen coaches come in and tear it down. Maybe didn't initially do it as much as he thought, as he probably should have. Yeah. And I think some of the things he said, some of the things he's done since then lead me to believe that, yeah, that probably was the case. And he did realize it was more rebuild than reload at Texas taking yes. over for Tom Herman. So, we talked a little bit about that at the end of last week's show, and it leads me into kind of just here we are, a couple of weeks out from Big 12 Media Days. Team is full on into summer workouts, including that time now they get to actually spend with the coaches, which, Rob B., when you were on the 40, you guys didn't get that. Y'all had to settle for going down to San Marcos and playing Texas State in seven-on-sevens or mm-hmm. whatever. However you could get your work in, you got it at Happy that to point. to do it, too. Uh, but now it's a little more structured now with how the NCAA allows things to happen. So full on into summer, and I'm thinking about something that you've said a lot this offseason. Is this the greatest offseason ever for a team coming off of a 5-7 and seven season? Well, it definitely is. Unquestionably. Yeah, easily. Definitely amongst Texas Five and sevens. No, it's it, five and seven everywhere. It I matter. just haven't thought of it. You would never else. ever right. see a team that's five and seven get was it a top five recruiting class or top ten? Top five. Yeah, top no. five recruiting class. That has never happened. I don't even need to do the research. It doesn't happen. If it happens, it's happened to Texas and maybe to like a USC or something like that. Or like Ole Miss in 2014 when they got in trouble. <laughs> you shouldn't because teams like Texas should never go five and seven. Number one, but. It's, you know, having the combination of being able to, you know, attract a top 10 class and also be five and seven. That's that's tough. Hell, you got a chance potentially to get Arch Manning. Look at look at the schools that Arch Manning's thinking about. Alabama, greatest dynasty in history of college of modern college football with the greatest coach in the history of college football. Right. There's Georgia, the only team that's been competing with actually Alabama in recruiting the, the last five years. National champion. Reigning national title. And you got Texas. One of these things is not like the other. Right. Five and seven and lost to Kansas. Biggest upset in the history of the Big 12. One of these things is not like the other. <laughs> you, yeah. you might end up having that actually happen, you know, sometime this offseason too. I'm not saying it is. We don't know the timeline. I'm just saying it yeah. could. You got Gary Patterson to help you upgrade your coaching staff, which we all agree Sark needed. And that was that was great. Update the, uh, uh, upgrade the coaching staff with Brendan Marion, who a lot of people believe was, was one of the best young um, hot shot coaches in all of college football. Uh, yes, you lost Stan Drayton, but end up getting to short choice. Your 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 portal class. I think you guys do two four seven sports does a great job of the recruit uh, the recruiting rankings and then separating the portal rankings as well. I think you guys had him as a top ten transfer portal rankings class. But I think Logan fans are mostly excited about the 
highly graded quarterback or highly rated quarterback, Quinn Ewers, who is one of the highest rated quarterbacks in the history of modern recruiting. You got that guy in the offseason too. I mean, hell, I'm probably missing some stuff. I mean, that's a lot that's a that's a that's a lot of improvement in the offseason for Texas. Yeah. And by the way, name, image, and likeness happen literally this offseason for you too. Name, image, mm-hmm. and likeness this season and this offseason. And you are definitely one of the leaders. You're not the leader, but you're definitely one of the leaders. And that's helping now boost you're recruiting. You get the uh, the number one offensive line class in the country. It's not a coincidence that you also at the Pancake Factory. It, I'm, I'm not saying that you didn't do a great job of recruiting, but it's not a coincidence that helped you in recruiting. And it's going to help you everywhere else, too. I, you just don't have an offseason like this with this much momentum, this much positivity, p- people drinking this much Kool-Aid, coming off 5-7, and seven, losing to Kansas at home. No. Th- Nowhere. Nowhere. You shouldn't. This is actually something that it, 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 sh- it shouldn't be happening, but it's a credit to what's happening behind the burn orange curtain and the holy trinity of what L-Type is doing in CDC. And so CDC knew Sark was in over his head. He knew he was like, all right, let, this guy needs some help. Let me go get my boy GP. Let's get this thing going. Bring in Gary Patterson. Needs a little help. Hey, what do you need? You need coaching upgrades? Let's do that. Let's do that. Uh, so giving Sark everything he needs and Sark having a man in the mirror moment, as we talked about, saying, you know what? I probably didn't do enough last year to to force or at least to or organically promote cohesion and camaraderie among this group. And he recognized that. So I, I see a lot that I like, too. I'm not trying to drink too much of the Kool-Aid, but I like what I've seen in the offseason. And it is, to my opinion, the greatest offseason in the history of college football for a team coming off 5-7. and seven. Well, and you can just look at just the circumstances around football in 2022 that really allow you that if you have the resources, you have the people, and you're willing to go out and get them, that you can actually turn it over quicker than any other time. So totally that's great. why Texas fans can have that hope. That's true. Yeah, I mentioned that, you know, in the last few podcasts, Mac didn't have it, Charlie didn't have it, Tom had it a little bit, but not to the, this level. The, the transfer portal giveth and taketh away, right? Amen, it does. Like, Amen. yeah, you can lose guys in the portal. Sark, Sark has, if you want to call it a double-edged sword, it's that roster volatility of you can lose some guys, but you should be able, in theory, to build it back up pretty quick through the portal. And I think when you look at this offseason, I'm not disagreeing with you, Rod. When I say what I'm about to say, because you just laid it out, right? It's factual. No, 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 Everything no. you laid out is factual. It's just my opinion. Um, opinions, opinion rooted in facts, mm-hmm. sir. That's why I like to do it. Uh, I just, I just wonder. This is really where I wanted to get this week. What is an accept? Because we can talk about progress in a number of different ways. Yeah. What is an acceptable win total for this fan base to feel like, okay, yeah, that was the greatest offseason, and you did capitalize on it? Because some people might take what you're saying, Ron, and say, okay, you should go win 10 or 11 games and be in the Big 12 championship game. That's true. I'm not saying that. <laughs> right. Yeah, but, but I, you see what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah. They're like, oh, what? That, you're and right. again, I'm yeah, not saying no. you're wrong, but this is where you've really got to – it's not a – one of the problems, and I don't want to get off into a philosophical tangent here, but one of the problems with sports – People want to make it like an all or nothing deal. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and it's it's there, anything win loss baby. Yeah, exactly. There, it's not a black or white thing. There's a lot of gray area. That's the thing. Records though are not records. Are totally winner and it's binary. Yeah. And then like you're saying, there's so many degrees to it that get you to the point. Nuance. I, I I just look I look around the Big Twelve. Right, Texas Tech is is one school, right that that I'll look at right now. And this was brought up the other day. 
Texas Tech's schedule is insanely difficult. They could be better than they were last year, but maybe not even be bowl eligible. Like in theory, they could be they could be a better team, a better program, and not have the win total to show for it. That's true. So Sark, I, I do believe again, I, I'm right there with you, Rod, on how good this offseason was. An insanely good offseason. You are a you are a talented, deeper football team now than you were at this time a year ago. Agreed. Your coaching staff is better than it was at this time a year ago. Your mm-hmm. infrastructure, the foundation of your program, is built on much more solid ground than it was at this time a year ago. Yep. I don't think there's any question about that. But the, what do you call it with the butt? I'm not going to step on your words here. The, uh, the Kim yeah. Kardashian, Nicki Minaj, Serena Williams size, Cardi B size, Lizzo size butt. If you're a Texas fan, what, sat, what win total satisfies you to make you feel like all of that is true at the end of the day? What's your measurement of exactly. success? Because from I'll I tell you, I'll just I'll start out and tell you where it is for me. If Texas goes eight and four, gets to eight and four, and get a, gets a chance to get a ninth one with a bowl win, then everything we said it would mean that yeah, you're headed you're headed in the right direction. And the here's why I say that. A lot of this does, and we don't talk recruiting on the show. I'll leave that to Mike Roach and Hudson Standish on the State of Recruiting podcast, which if you're a Blitz subscriber, you should listen to that whenever it drops. Mm. Uh, or just get over to Horns 24-7 and check out the work those guys do each and every day. But uh, normally I would say, okay, eight wins, eight regular season wins doesn't do a whole lot for you in recruiting. But if you get our, if Arch Manning makes his decision before the start of the season yeah. and that decision is you, yeah, unless you win like four games – doesn't really matter whether it's seven, eight, nine. It doesn't matter at that point. Totally agree. Yeah, you're right. Because then, for for Longhorn fans, that it's almost that injection or boost of optimism. Yeah. They'll be high on that for the next, honestly, for the entire season. Mm-hmm. So they'll they every. <laughs> it's great, yeah, because everything they see will be will be through that prism. Mm-hmm. Well. They did get off, man. Think about that offseason. But it's headed in the right direction. Yeah, exactly. So you know, it's the young be, offensive yeah, line. There'll be a lot of optimism and positivity with that. That's true. It's a great point. I totally I, agree with that. I think at this point that the art the Arch Manning commit an Arch Manning commitment to Texas is as big as is to me, in terms of the trajectory of this program, mm-hmm. it's as big as anything that would happen on the field this fall. Oh, it's true. I, I really think that's where it's at. Like I said, mm. unless you're sitting at the end of the deal four and eight. Winning, okay. Well, it's extremes, right? Or like you're sitting at the end of the day and won the Big 12 title. Yeah. Or you're, yeah, you're not bowl eligible again. But I think anything in between, I think you might be right about that. Because if you get and Arch Manning, no matter, yeah. you already expect a lot from yours and expect this year. But if something were to not look as you would expect, it's still like, well, Arch next year is one thing that if Sark's already got that commitment, it's sort of like he's tied to him. Like, sort of way we went into 2020 thinking Herman couldn't get fired. Like, if Arch gets. Yeah. Uh, is committed. I don't think Sark's going nowhere, depending no. on how this goes he gets, he gets this next year. Exactly, he'll, he'll get a raise. Like I said unless you're four and eight, <laughs> and I, said, I, I think the extreme, five and seven. I think if you're yeah, you four and eight or five and seven, I agree with you. That's when you could be talking about something that completely the tail could wag the dog. Mm-hmm. But if it's yeah, if it's a, it win a Big Twelve title or something like that, then it's shit. And you get our extension. Manny. Yeah, then you're talking about <laughs> now, oh man, they're gonna make it. Rim boosters and dumps gonna make it rain over there. Now you that that's <laughs> scenario. Well, that's scenario. Money. Like, <laughs> well, let's just take that road. And I'm not. We're not predicting Texas. I'm not gonna predict Texas to win the Big Twelve. No, I'm not. But, yeah, yeah, no. Like let's no, say right that, now, if that Texas happens, is an underdog in but three they, games. But I'm just saying, right now they actually, yeah, I mean they probably got good chances. Anybody, if, if that happens though, oh, now you're awesome. talking about what it was '98 going into '99 with 
the Heisman Trophy. Ricky Williams winning the Heisman, and you win nine games, and you finish ranked in the top 15, yep. and you bring in the number one recruiting class in the country. Oh, and by the way, leading that class is a Super Bowl MVP son. Now you're talking about Texas being the it program yeah. again. Steamroll of momentum yeah. that takes over college football, potentially. Yeah. yeah, This isn't like, oh, yeah, we won, we won a Sugar Bowl over Georgia. This is like... Like you got a conference championship, you got something tangible. You put a number on the wall, so yep. something legit. Well, and you and with Arch Manning, now you're you're taking off. Yeah, you get to you know. I, I said this yesterday. I was talking about it on the show. You know, with Mac Brown ruled the the state of Texas like like a you know a, a third world dictator, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> he 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 got the best recruits in the state. Everybody else got the leftovers. Never got into recruiting battles with anybody other than A and M. Um, and then it was a story. That was just the way it was. Yeah, it was always the case with Mac. And you know, once he had his 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 fall from grace, that was different. But he was always able to walk into a living room and go, "We have the best football program in the state of Texas. We produce the most NFL players, and we compete for championships." He was able to lay down those three things. After 2010, the fall from grace. He you know he 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 no longer rules the Iron Throne of Texas, and he can't walk into a living room and say that. Because yeah. Baylor's saying it. Because now you're the hey, crazy old man. saying it. Yeah, or TCU is saying it. And you're like, well, damn, there used to be Texas could only say that. And if anybody else said it, you'd be like, you really believe that? You're delusional. Yeah. Um, and I think that's what you want to get back to. And that was your easy recruiting pitch. No, no, we're, if you want to go to the best school that produces the most NFL players that also competes for titles, this is it. Yeah. Everybody else is playing at, a, you know, is, a, is at a, a different level, a lower level, if you will. But that, Texas can't say that right now. Right. Yeah. So that let's set that aside though, the yeah. conference championship discussion and get back to the task at hand, which is figuring out this twenty twenty two team and based on this incredible off season, what would an acceptable win total be? I'm at eight. Eight in a regular season <laughs> to me. Because especially given the way the Arch Manning recruitment again, it, a lot of a it lot does. of what I'm about it, to say hinges on Arch Manning. Yeah. I've always said, man, eight and four at Texas is the gray area. Because you can catch that as well, you know, got a chance to win nine, and you know, it's a it's a good year. It's not a great year, but it's a good year. But you could also look at eight and fours. Okay, what happened? Who were those four losses against? What does that eight and four look like? Eight and four is that great? Like you could say seven and seven and five in any year at Texas. Typically, you underachieve. You did not fulfill expectations. Okay. But nine and three with a chance to get the double digit wins with a bowl game. Any year you win nine or ten games is a good year. No question, especially coming off of five and seven right. and losing to Kansas at home. Yeah, that's I, what that's what makes eight and four. Eight and four is always the gray area, I'm but gonna, Arch, Arch Manning would clear up the cloudiness of yeah. an eight-win regular season. No, you get that, then it changes. Hell, like I said, even a seventy-five looks sexier if it's an Arch Manning coming and you seven and five. So I, I tell you, it makes everything look a whole lot better. Uh, put that aside, I'll say for me personally, watching this team and looking at all the issues, for me and success, I'm going to go eight and four, but only if I see the issues fixed from last season. Okay, now we're getting into – If I see this team getting up early on teams Hmm. and then collapsing in the fourth quarter, you know what I mean? If I see for Sark the lack of adjustments – Right and and lack of anticipating adjustments by your opponents and not being able to counter, that's another issue that was the issue last year. The the lack of uh, cheat codes and force multipliers in that offense late in games. Uh, he got less aggressive and even admitted that. So there's just something the edges, the edges for God's sakes the edges. Mm-hmm. 
if the edges are just as bad as they were last year, they teams can't are, be worse, right? <laughs> it is. Teams are averaging damn near seven yards a pop hitting you on in the C and D gap. Okay, you know what? We got a problem. All right. It, now, if some new problems pop up, I won't be as upset because, hey, man, you're not perfect. You're you're flawed, just like any team. New and players, they're building new, up new exactly new per, new players, new problems, mm-hmm. pretty much, right? But uh, no, we can't have the same issues. Not, not the same issues. Your corner, your cornerbacks can't be. You know, allowing teams to complete their deep balls over fifty over fifty five percent of their deep balls, like you can't have that. So, so, uh, that of all the numbers on like defense, that's the one that yeah, like we can't. So, there's certain things we just we cannot have, and I w- don't want to see them anymore. Even if it's an eight and four team, now you go eight and four and you clean up those issues. Like I said, some new ones pop up. We'll examine them here on Longhorn Blitz. We'll break them down. All right, we'll diagnose them and we'll find a remedy. Like we all suggest a remedy, like we always do. But the same old issues. That's how relationships break up. Mm-hmm. When your when your mm-hmm. significant other's got to tell you about the same old ish over and over again, it's like, man, are we arguing about the same old ish we was arguing about four five years ago? And then we need to make a we make a, like a change. That's Something's got to stop. Mm-hmm. All right, that means you are unwilling to evolve, or this means that you are stuck in a rut. And this is who you are. That's the case. Then you are not a problem solver. All right, and that's what coaches are supposed to be problem solvers. And I think Sark is that. You know, so over the offseason, I hope he solved the problems, diagnosed the issues, solved the problems. So that's what I that's what I really want for my eight and four. Yeah, and y'all are both spot on with where Vegas has Texas right now because Texas, like very few teams, have an even number as over under. Most have a five and a half or mm-hmm. a six and a half. So you get both ends. Not for Texas, it's right on eight. So then you have to be at eight mm-hmm. goes to push. You have seven actually in. Well, yeah, that's going to be the underdog. Over is actually a slight favorite, but if you look across the Big Twelve. You know, you have Oklahoma, they're total even money at nine and a half. Mm-hmm. You have Oklahoma State slightly favorited and on the over at eight and a half. So they're ta- thinking maybe nine wins for them. Same with Baylor's at seven and a half with the favorite on the over. So that's eight. And then you got TCU looking at about seven, K-State seven, Iowa State six. So Texas is the one yeah. that they sort of don't know. There's a wider girth between this nine or the seven that could be a realistic opportunity for Texas. So you look at individual games now against the Oklahoma in a neutral site, Texas is a three point dog and the Oklahoma is a team picked to win more games. And against Oklahoma state, Texas at Stillwater is a one and a half point dog. So they, you'd think on a neutral field would actually be favorited. So that sort of aligns with the win totals. But a team like Bama, who's over under, is at 10 and a half wins. Mm-hmm. They're a 14 and a half point favorite over Texas. So it sort of shows you still have a long way to go to get to that elite level across the country. So sort of looks like Texas fans and all of us sort of have them slotted in where we think. And it's a bit surprising yeah. just because of the impatience we've had from uh, Texas fans over the past decade, it's almost as if at this point it's sort of bought into the reality that Texas isn't great and they're building back. And like, when could you have thought uh, a nine win t- Texas team would be a success? Like a decade ago, everybody, nine wins, you got to have a 10 win standard. And then now we're at the point where we're thinking, Nine wins is a success, but I think that's actually, you know, viewing it as the reality and a realistic expectation. I am the guy who 10 years ago on the show ranted and raved and said nine and four at Texas sucks. So <laughs> I'm chief among them who I'm viewing it through a different prism now. Yeah. yeah that's it's what changed. T- that's what 10 years of 
whatever this has been will yeah. do to you. Yes, but you, I think your 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 quote is also about expectations, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's on you. Yeah. Depending on if you had high expectations or low. If you end up disappointed, that's really a you problem. Yep. And I think if you're, if you're in the line of, oh, Texas is going to go, after this great offseason, they're, they're going to go win 10, 11 games and win the Big 12. Okay, yeah, that's going to be a you problem when it doesn't happen. Cause exactly. I'm not predicting that. Yeah. I'm not expecting that. I, you're not, right, Matt. No, you're not. None of us. I Texas think that, is underdog in three games that they have available. So that's right. There's three losses. Well, and not only Vegas. that, the research that I'm, I'm starting to do my Big 12 research because got Big 12 Media Day is coming up, and the Big 12 is just such a fuster cluck to try to figure out. That's where I wanted to go so next. Yep. Many, there's so much uncertainty and so many question marks. I mean, it just you take you can take a lot of things because right? Texas. We talked about this. Can I just they, say this, Rod, before we start? Last year I sat here and we said, you know, we looked at it. We knew Oklahoma was going to be really good. Mm-hmm. We figured Oklahoma State was going to be really good. Yeah. And we're like, oh, TCU was kind of a sleeper. We kind of figured out, okay, Texas is maybe going to kind of be in that like eight-win mix right there, kind of what we're saying right now, before we knew what we knew. And we looked at Baylor. We're like, I'm, I said it last year. I'm like, Baylor's the wild card. They could be in the mix or they could be a four-win team. They didn't know what to make of Baylor. Mm-hmm. I think that wild card conversation, based on what you're about to get into, I think you could say that about damn near everybody in the league. There's not a sure thing in this league going into 22. Uh, no, there is not at all. Uh, and and to your point about mm-hmm. Baylor, you know, we talked about Texas having the best skill position talent in the Big 12. There's no question. I think Baylor's easily got the best lines of scrimmage in the Big 12, offense and defense. Mm-hmm. That's what football games are won. So they're in it, in my opinion. Like, if, I still if think you got Siaki Ika, you got a chance to have a really right? good defensive Even line. line. Did they return four out of the five offensive linemen, and they got a Tulsa uh, transfer they brought in. And they got a four fifth-year seniors. And they were a veteran. I was going to say, they were a veteran O-line last and year. And Texas is going to have all freshmen. And yeah. When you look at fifth-year guys versus first or second-year yeah. guys. And remember, it was, a, it was a new system they were in last year for Jeff Grimes. And we talked about how we loved that Jeff Grimes hiring. It was awesome. You know, that RVO offense they run, they're going to be better at it uh, this year. So – um, I, they're they're thrown the mix to me just because man lines of scrimmage. So I agree, wild card. They can be back to back years as the wild card in the Big Twelve. But then everybody who knows football, who watches the Big Twelve, knows that K State and Chris Kleiman have had some of the worst luck possible for a coach in his first what three years or whatever. Mm-hmm. Last year ended up with injury to the quarterback, but still ended up with what eight wins. Well, no, eight they wins were last a year. Few the first, the first, first year they ended up with eight wins, and they should have been a double digit win team. They had th- three wins, I think, sorry, three losses by a total of ten points that season. Uh, the, Same with last year. The COVID year, is it, yeah, the, the COVID, COVID year, year they was, were undefeated when Skylar Thompson got hurt. Exactly. We, so they just had really or was really, that last year? I forget. No, no, yeah. you're right about that. I remember that. They just had, so you had such bad luck, but their lines of scrimmage actually this year are going to be decent, and we know they may have the most, you know, behind B. John Robinson, the most explosive player in the Big 12, and I'm telling you that Adrian Martinez bringing him in, I know it sounds crazy, dude, at Nebraska, he was under constant mm-hmm. pressure. He was the most pressured quarterback in the FBS, arguably, there at Nebraska. Um, he's not going to be under that much pressure at K-State, and he's got a running back behind him that's going to uh, relieve a lot of pressure off him. He's a veteran quarterback. I wouldn't be surprised if you see him make a leap. Then you got Oklahoma State. We all know nobody knows this league better than Mike freaking Gundy, all right? He made the the leap to positionless football on defense five years ago and transformed his identity to be a defense ball control team that damn near won the Big 12 last year. Spencer Sanders is going to be the most veteran quarterback in the Big 12. What the hell happens to Spencer Sanders? Does he actually regress or progress? Because if he actually progresses, hell, man, he could end up being a game changer. 
We we I think everybody agrees with that because from what we saw as him as a freshman, it's just that he's very volatile and turns the ball over. But last year, he actually did make some progress. Last year, had I think he had ended up, ended up five of his interceptions and ended up being against Baylor alone. He was your first team mm-hmm. All Big Twelve quarterback last year. Yeah, you know what I mean. That so that's mind. another wild card. I mean, there's a ton. Hell, and I'm honestly T. TCU thrown in there could be a crazy wild card too because they do have some talent on both sides of the ball. But I think that I think the quarterback Chandler Morris, Chandler is Morris. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to end up winning the job with that with that Garrett Riley offense, which is Over Max Rice's brother, huh? Over Max Duggan. Yep, because I think he fits that offense better. I think they want to yeah. throw it more. Yeah, he's a big if, if you yeah. want to make the argument of okay, let's say we've established Texas is the best skilled talent offensively in the no Big doubt. Twelve. TCU's number two for me. It ain't bad. Was it Quentin Quinn jo- Johnson? Johnson Kendra Miller? Yeah. You go, Matt, we talked about it last week, man. You start looking at some of those per touch, per carry mm-hmm. numbers for Big 12 running backs. It's like B. John Robinson, Zach Evans was up there, but Kendra Miller on a per touch, per snap basis. Agreed. You can make an argument he was the best running back in the Big 12 last well, and, year. Yep. And Johnston Agreed. has been over his career one of the most explosive receivers in the Big 12 because he was really big two years ago. He was and doing then, Texas dirty till he got hurt. Yep, and then Oklahoma, he went nuts against One time Longhorn commit, Quentin Johnston. Sorry, I didn't reference Tom Tom Herman's wide receiver recruiting. Mark that on your Longhorn Blitz bingo card, me trashing (laughs) Tom Herman's wide receiver recruiting. Well, and guys, we we bury the lead here because Oklahoma has run this damn conference since its inception. They won the damn thing with eight, nine different (sighs) starting quarterbacks, multiple different head coaches. Ain't no reason to think they're not going to keep running (laughs) this damn league. You know what's funny? Jeff Levy and Dylan Gabriel are now back together, and yep. they had they set records there at, at UCF. UCF his freshman year. Yeah. He's comfortable in that offense. And then you got Venables, who was one of the best defensive minds in college football, and he's coming to the Big 12, a hybrid spread league, come back to figure it out. Dude, they 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 can either win the conference like they always do. And, I was talking point- to uh, I was talking to some of our uh, our OU insider guys that are twenty four seven sports Oklahoma property. And we're talking about, you know, just kind of expectations. And there's a lot of people in that fan base that are excited about Brett Venables kind of coming back to the family. I am, too. I think a lot of that, oh, man, it's going to be tough. I'm like, well, you know, Jerry Schmidt coming back as a strength coach, kind of throwing it back a little bit. I'm like, okay, I get get the nostalgia aspect of it. But I'm like, but I finally said, I'm like, you know what? If you just look at the history of college football since World War II, (laughs) you can pretty much look at that and say, you know what? It's Oklahoma. They figure it out more often than they don't. Exactly. Yeah. They hire well. <laughs> it is pretty It was crazy. that whole John Blake thing, but other yeah, than that, yeah, I mean. That yeah, and Schnellenberger, right? Yeah, that's good for And the one year with Schnellenberger, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But other, Nobody's basically, paid. take out the 90s, and OU's <laughs> gotten it right <laughs> far more the than they've gotten it wrong. Like and what was happening in the 90s, they probably had to start following rules. They were on probation, <laughs> exactly. They started the decade on probation. <laughs> we got to figure this thing yeah, out. This compliance, this compliance stuff, man. we got to figure it out. Yeah, Barry, Barry didn't have a compliance department. <laughs> they had no compliance department. They just had a dude working. <laughs> compliance dude. <laughs> yeah, you look across the board, though. No, y'all are spot on. The Big 12 is, Hold though. Hold on, hold on. Time out. Well, y'all remember WCW Nitro back in the day when Chris Jericho had Ralphus as his security guard. It's like a guy with a big old beer <laughs> belly that wore like the half shirt. Why do I picture OU's compliance guy looking like Ralphus? <laughs> Just like bald head, fat guy with like a belly shirt. It fits the part as their strength and conditioning you, you, you boys behaving yourselves? Yes, sir. <laughs> well, go ahead. Y'all like carry that. on. That's a great anyway, one. Sorry. Go nice ahead, visual. Matt. No, their strength and conditioning guy also fits the mold. If you want to have a guy that looks like a strength and conditioning <laughs> yeah, guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I remember. Who, who Didn't he go after a Texas quarterback one Texas OU game? 
I don't remember who it was. I think he bowed up. One to of like, Switzer's old dudes? Well, no, no. The guy that was there was Stoops that with oh, really? Venables that came oh, back. Man. He was just the it model the model of intensity. Like yeah. he would be the guy that would be mean mugging a player. He's that strength oh, yeah. guy that's so always far. You should already be able to pick out the strength and conditioning coach on every team. If you can't, yes. you don't know ball. 100%. <laughs> I've, I've talked, you know, now let's just say this about Oklahoma. Like I've, I've talked to enough former OU players over the years. Uh, maybe the strongest endorsement coming from Tommy Harris. We talk about the Bob Stoops oh, yeah. era, and they will tell you, like, yeah, Coach Stoops was great. He had great coaches. They'll say Jerry Schmidt was the reason why they won as much as they did. They were built different. I'll say that. I played against them. They was built different. You man. remember how, t- you had to be how ready. tough those OU yeah, teams were, Yeah, man, right? you had to be ready for that. It was a different – and honestly, man, you look at some of the success a and has had, Jerry Schmidt was down there with Jimbo Fisher mm-hmm. before Oklahoma got him back. So. Good point. Yeah. Um, but anyway, do you have something sorry, else yeah, to add sorry, on, on OU? Oh, uh, no, y'all can go ahead. I lost it. So, but Rod, that overall, uh, when you look at the Big 12, we've said this some years, but it really is true. And as you're getting into the research, you're finding out, man, it's wide open a year. It's wide open. As this league. And honestly, man, I'll keep throwing out the West Virginia card because I feel like exactly. I like I like Neil Brown and they add Graham Harrell. And they bring in JT Daniels out of Come the portal. On. Exactly. He still like, got one of them steals, brothers, there on the D line. <laughs> one of them steals is still there. I think Dante. I'm like, I think the steals is still there. So I'm with you. And they got they always have nice skill talent. They always have a nice little collection of raw receivers yeah. and skill talent there with Especially you. now with that offense. I'm telling you, man. Exactly. And then it we could, saw the same thing when you looked at uh, uh just can I know it's Kansas, but when you look at like in the Big Twelve of teams that have their head coach, their starting mm-hmm. coordinator, D coordinator, and quarterback coming back. Yep. It's only Kansas, yep. to where the rest of the Big 12 doesn't have that type of retention. So, and we talk about continuity, like, and I remember what it was. It was whenever Levy uh, coming back with Dylan Gabriel and that UCF team, like before Texas landed yours and Gabriel went into the portal, I texted both of y'all being like, oh, wow, this could be something that Texas could get on. And then OU really ends up getting that yeah. guy and being able to connect with his former coach that we've seen that That's type big. of chemistry really coming into football and understanding what that continuity can do in one year. And those guys coming over and doing what they did then to being able to really quickly get you back into the sort of slotted into your comfort zone, that could be really big for them. Yeah. No, I'm with, that's a great point to bring up about Kansas. We all agree Kansas is on the way up. We all mm-hmm. love that land, uh, that that hire. That was a great hire. If you're a Texas fan and you're not saying that, then you probably need to go back and revisit <laughs> what happened <laughs> in Austin last night. Yeah, don't Leopold. watch it again because I've watched it like four or five times, and not because I'm a masochist, but I just wanted to make sure, confirm what I saw. Yeah. That that team is getting better. Uh, but I'm, I'm with you on the West Virginia thing. I ain't even bringing mm-hmm. it up. I forgot all about them. So I'm, and, it, and, by the way, I went and researched it. If Chandler Morris wins that job at TCU and the, the quarterback, Jalen Daniels, had ended up uh, being the starting quarterback at the end of the year for Kansas, he only started like four uh, game, four games or so because they had a mm-hmm. different starting quarterback at the beginning of the year. So if you start tracking quarterbacks, start at the majority of the games for mm-hmm. their teams last season returning for 2022, Spencer Sanders is going to be the only one if Chandler Morris wins that job because the rest of them are brand-new quarterbacks, either transfer portal or, you know, Brock Purdy, P- fake Purdy's gone or, you know, they, they're bringing in a new quarterback. And, and and that'll be the it'll be the fewest amount of returning quarterbacks, uh, you know, that started the majority of their games, it, honestly, since the inception of the league, since I far back as I could go back and look at it. Yeah, at least I, in the last like ten to fifteen years, it's rare because that means only one starting returning quarterback from last season who will start the majority of their games is going to be the starting quarterback next year, and that would be Spencer Sanders. I feel like maybe 
going into the. I'd have to look at it again. Yeah, it's it's maybe been a while. going into the eighteen season. It seems like one of those years when you had Kyler Kyler taking over for Baker. You had Sam. I don't, I don't think started the majority of the games. No, I think Shane Seventeen. Yeah, it could be one of them. It could Charlie be Charlie Brewer, Baylor. He yeah. might have started the majority, but uh, there that was, one, was one of those, of those years, years where, where it's like two or two, maybe two or three. I'm with you. Mm-hmm. It's just rare, and this will be one of those years. Like it could end up Max Duggan could end up winning that job, but there aren't a lot of returning starting quarterbacks from last season that played ball in the Big Twelve that start the majority of their games. Next season. So that makes it even more volatile. Like it's just going to be so unpredictable. Oh yeah, because remember Oklahoma State lost. Uh, that was the year they lost Mason Rudolph to the NFL, and Corn Dog was okay. the quarterback. Oh, you're right. Yeah, oh, Corn Dog. Taylor Cornelius. Hey, y'all remember Corn Another Dog career game against Texas. Lowboard fans remember, like, oh, that dude. And running wild on Texas a couple of plays. Slowest too. zone read ever, <laughs> other than Garrett Gilbert. But that's it why worked. I fooled him. It was so slow. They thought it was a fake. It's like, no, he's actually keeping it. That's, why Garrett, that's how Garrett Gilbert fooled that Nebraska <laughs> yeah, defense. Yeah, I beat him. What a Greg great Davis. Defense. One of the greatest defenses in the history of the Big 12. How the hell did he do that? Oh, they picked 12. Even when they lost to Dominican Sue, that defense was still loaded. We're like, yeah, yeah. Like four NFL players Prince on that of defense. Prince was still on that defense. Yeah, they had some good defense. Oh, yeah. Was Levante David on that defense? Yeah, yeah. they had really good NFL players on that defense and Gary Great. Gilbert out there doing them dirty. It's yeah. right up there with the 2015 Oklahoma win, which if you ask me now, like, how'd that happen? Like, I, I don't know. Oh, yeah. I, I that don't was know. a wild I one. I can't explain. Held on yeah. for dear life. That was. That, was, that, <laughs> was. that might be a content piece for me. Like, in this cluster of Texas, like, what are the most bizarre wins? Oh. And the post Colt McCoy era, that's, those two might be those one two, and two. Those two. Oh, that's one twenty ten at oh, Nebraska and the twenty fifteen Oklahoma game. Yeah, that is good. Oh, we're definitely missing some. That's a good one to throw out to the people. Hold on, no, we could we could do this real quick. We, we, we could, could do, do this. this. I think those are the two are best. Good. Those are ones that stand out the most. But all you gotta do is go back to the years where we had an offensive identity crisis, and some of those wins were just funky. I mean, like honestly, the, like the Wildcat wins basically. Honestly, you, you got Fozzie just won yeah. the Wildcat. If you go look at if you go look at how Texas won the A and M game in eleven. Yeah. Oh, that, that was, was nice. You needed a long yeah. Quandre Diggs punt return. You needed a great defensive and game. Case offense was forty yards. Wait, breaks like four tackles. You score. Like, you you score on the double pass with uh, or the reverse <laughs> pass Jackson Shipley to Blaine Irby. That was like good. Yeah, your yeah, offense. Yeah. Other than that, your offense was non-existent <laughs> until that Case McCoy scramble. Yeah. Now that one I've that rewatched, bizarre. and right. you can see, Rod, you're That's in the bizarre. camera a lot just from being like right around the 30 yard line or whatever. And you just see you cheering or wondering, like you can oh, see man. the actual exuberance. Oh, dude, out. that was, I remember that game. Yeah. That was bizarre. You're right. That That's probably up. That's probably higher, honestly, considering. The circumstances. Yeah, it was Man, the last. Texas, Texas hadn't Texas fallen game. as far yet, though. Yeah. That was still a lot. Somehow, we had only had twenty ten happen yet. You know, there hadn't been all those play. others. What was no, a fun, right. a fun one? I think for Texas fans to watch the twenty thirteen Oklahoma game. Oh remember, yeah. Oh yeah, Max. And we'd yeah, all written Max, Max obituary. I remember. Mm-hmm. Like, Man, Bob Stoops is gonna. He's got one last chance to just destroy Mac. He's gonna do it. And man. It was double-digit point underdogs, too. Jonathan yeah. Gray and Malcolm Brown ran for over 100 yards that day. They just put it on them. They just, just, just smashed just lined up. Yeah, it was just lined they up. Like, and they just went You knew it was going to be different, like that throw that Marcus Johnson runs that mm-hmm. wheel route and Case just like drops it in the bucket. Money. Like, like Russell Wilson. It was like, like a rainbow, but just dropped The one play I remember from that game, though, like the, the, the Jay Johnson punt return, the Chris mm-hmm. Whaley pick six. There's so many plays from that game, but the one where Mike Davis is running like the fade and Case just makes like a perfect throw right in the bread basket. Oh, Mike Davis over the shoulder catch. I just threw my pin up in the press box. I'm like, dude, this is your day. This is your day. Oh, yeah. Yeah. This is your day. Go buy a lottery ticket after you get that Because this is your day. And the Sooner fans that game. Dimes on OU yeah. that day. The Sooner fans were so irate that day. 
played. The Chris Whaley returned for a touchdown oh, on yeah. the pick six. That one, that's when the stadium, yeah. you really felt everybody for them. Exactly. And then, right, well, I was sit- <laughs> my seats were exactly the yard line that Marcus Johnson, when he catches that ball, like that 35. So, like, just seeing, being in the middle part of that play was so cool for my memory to see. It was like one it's of the crazy. prettiest passes you can have. I'll give you it's another amazing. one as we start to wrap up this week's show. The 2015 Baylor game. Remember the last game of the season in 15? Oh, yeah. Which ended up being Art Browse's last was regular season fight? game. Was that what the but fight? Yeah. That was the Deshaun Elliott shadow boxing that. deal. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, was that the fight. weird uh, Tyrone Swoops hits uh, Caleb Blewett for the early touchdown. Baylor's down to like Lynx Hawthorne playing quarterback yeah, for a while. Yeah, I forgot they were out of quarterbacks. They, and remember, the they, did, they weren't even running Wildcat. Wildcat. They were just direct snapping it to Johnny Jefferson the whole <laughs> way. And like if Puna Ford doesn't stick an arm out, and knock a ball loose, Baylor probably wins that game yeah, rushing for game. almost 400 Corona. yards. Yeah. I mean, honestly, that's how the K-State win this year was pretty wild and funky considering you just wearing Wildcat the whole damn time. Yeah. I mean, you didn't really have – everybody was – and considering it was coming off of a six-game loser, you're like, oh, it's no way they're going to win this damn game. They're definitely going to lose. He's lost the locker if they mm-hmm. – they go out there running the damn Wildcat – and actually win a couple of games. Now, I will admit, if they had their starting quarterback, Scott Thompson, they had to beat Texas, no question. Yeah, but still. But it was a bizarre <laughs> win because I didn't expect them to get it. I, I Honestly, I'll admit, I, I didn't expect them to get it. Even that the win. way Texas played in the bowl games in good years against like Georgia and Utah, you weren't Tom exactly. Herman's bowl games. Oh, every yeah. time Herman bowl <laughs> Tom, game wins. Tom Bowl Herman. Tom bowl, every time Herman bowl game. You're right, Matt. Yeah. That was it, all bizarre. Oh, it, it came out and played well. Even the, even the one in Houston. Yeah, oh, Tom, I was going to say the Missouri game. That was bizarre, too. He's mocking out of you know, yeah. like you needed Secure an Anthony Wheeler, you needed an Anthony Wheeler fumble return. Right? Like you got, I think they forced like six turns. And that well, Missouri Jackson offense, with, play, that Missouri it? offense with Drew Locke, yeah, like they were aver- they'd average like fifty points a game in the SEC. And that was when Texas defense you, looked like an SEC no, defense no, without no, without your best no defense no Deshaun Elliott, no no, Holt, no Holton Hill, no Malik Jefferson. Uh, PJ Locke was hurt. Yeah, dude, it was wild. I was like, like Jason Hall and. Who else was out there? Antoine Davis Antoine was out Davis there. Probably I'm was missing out there. somebody. No, you're right, though. It was, that. It was a wild group. You were While like, we're on that group, the, the what was them. it? The win here in, I guess it was seven. No, that was in 18 against USC. Just the way that it happened. You just annihilated them in the second it half. It was. That was kind of strange, too, because it looked like USC for a while was going to take control. And we knew Texas wasn't that, that good. And then Texas <laughs> wins by multiple yeah, scores because he true. had, like, block kicks and stuff. Man, that, the Texas Bowl was wild, though. It was weird, right? That was a weird one, man. That was strange. Well, like, what – what people forget is like Tom Herman like mocking Drew Locke with the securing the securing bag, the bag. Baby, yeah. But what people forget, and <laughs> I, I actually guy has so many gifts me, already. On but to me, this was kind of this was somewhat brilliant on Tom Herman's part. Everybody was talking about the secure the bag. Nobody remembered the unnecessary middle finger of a reverse. We were the reverse with Armani Foreman to score that last touchdown. Yeah. Nobody talked about like what a middle finger of a play call that was because yeah. everybody was talking about the security right back there. I, I remember that play. Yeah, you're right about that. Yeah, the security back thing was so weird. Right, there was so many of those moments. With but it's almost like Tom, like, all right, everybody's distracted by me securing a bag. Let's just run a reverse right you're here. Right, it might have been genius, Bob, but uh, that was a strange win right Some there. Some weird, weird wins, man. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you one of my favorites, Rod, because I love the story you tell about Brian Harson in the locker room after this game. <laughs> the, uh, the 2012 Ole Miss game. Oh. When Texas, if that they were going to score however much time was in that game. They, they could have scored 100 that night they if really they had enough have. time to do it. Yeah, And like I remember you talking about like – you, when you did your post with Brian Harson, just like 
I don't know, like his eyes were almost like bloodshot. Like he was like in this trance. He was. No, it was. It it was crazy, man. Like he he was. You could tell he was like this this com- c- competitive sickness killer instinct look on his face, and it was hard for him to come down. Yeah, like it was hard for him like to kind of relax and come Certain down. And I felt like I just I I, I could feel it. I, it was his aura. Yeah, it really was. Like he it was just intensity, man. It was yeah. personified. And he you right, he was in the zone. I think it's he was like, 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 he's, in, like he's in Vegas on a heater at the blackjack yeah, really table. Like was. do not bother me. <laughs> Don't get in my yeah, line like, of vision. Yeah. I am hundred percent focused on just destroying this right it now. Was like in a rain you man were the one trance. that first coined the term that I ever heard anybody talk about a competitive sickness. But like from me just hearing like this year, I've been listening because Draymond Green does his own podcast and oh, he yeah. just talks about the in season insanity. Like you can't if you want to really unplug and be a family man, like that's good and all, but it's like oh, yeah. almost impossible to do those things. And he's like, Well, after a game I don't sleep. There's no way to where like after every game exactly. they fly wherever they stay up for twenty four hours because, like you were saying, that Harson, that look, like there's if you're you can't calm down and off up, you can't t- calm down off of yeah. that. Like you're gonna be up for the next twelve hours. You're on that kind of high, man. You get that's, honestly, I, I used to be like that at the game sometimes. Yeah. Like you just, yeah, you just don't can't. even try. Yeah, don't even try. You just kind of stay. Up. It's like you know you just go out and party. Yeah, and just get. It well, that's where that competitive sickness, borderline insanity. You're so just into yep. your work at that point that you can't unplug that. Yeah, I mean, very, very different, but, you know, for me, covering a game, there will be games where, especially if it's a night game, I might not go to bed till 5 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, you write it. Because I'm I'm like, I have these thoughts in my head right now coming off of that game of things I just observed. If I go to sleep, I'm going to lose them. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. I just need to to work right now. It's just that that, you just get tunnel vision. Yep. Um, But so it's fun to take a stroll down memory lane. That was nice. I like that. But – Getting back to the point at hand of kind of trying to gauge expectations this year, and I, I'll throw these numbers out again. I, I like these numbers that I've got on uh, – I actually lost them. I need to find them real quick. But Because I was looking for the edge numbers, Rod, and it was uh, oh. on C&D gap runs, yeah. 6.9 yards per carry. Okay, so yes, is it nearly so – You can say nearly seven in your final. No, but it's – yeah, with you. It's that, – that, I, I, you know, we're all going to track that next season. That cannot – those issues for Texas can persist. So yeah. what you want to know is that they solved some of the problems over the offseason, whether it was giving up the deep balls, whether it's the edges, whether it's, like I said, the issues about play calling with Sark, about uh, the lack of counters to their adjustments, anticipating adjustments uh, on, honestly, on offense, some of the issues on the offensive line. You'd like to see, you know, progression there. Uh, I like to see the team get better. So different things. I mean, just I don't want to see the same issues. Everybody's going to have flaws. Every team's going to have flaws. But right. you can't have the same issues that persisted last season. Have to show that you addressed them or at least had a plan to address them. But I brought that up. Uh, I wanted to go find the numbers on the edges because I'm, I'm with you. That was uh, – if you talk about weak points of the team, that uh, might, by far might away be the, biggest. The, the weakest. By far and away the what, biggest. What is, what is the, Whether and we, it's a pass rush or the run defense. We talked a lot last week about – you know, protecting the offensive line. Mm-hmm. And, and that's pretty much what you can do with the tools you've got at your disposal on offense. Yep. But what what is the one position group? If you want to say offensive line, go ahead. But what is the one position group that can either get Texas to that eight-win area or can hold them back from being that eight-win type team? Is it the edges? It's the, it's the D-line. That's a great question. I was going to say O-line. I'm gonna say D line only because, and that you could go there right too. I, I, yep. I'm not gonna disagree. There with isn't you, a wrong answer between uh, the two. Yeah, exactly. There really isn't. My opinion will be D line just because I saw them last year have a top, but top twenty offense with an atrocious O line. 
<laughs> with a really bad O-line. Mm-hmm. And I think Sark can scheme around O-line just because you got a top five running back, a top five wide receiver, yep. may have one of the top ten best wide Top five best wide receiving units in the country. Right. You upgraded that tight end everywhere. You got freaks across the board. You're just gonna be you're gonna be a matchup problem. Mm-hmm. It's just the way it is. And Sark knows that. Um defensively, they had no answers for anything on defense last year. Nothing. So if I would want a progression, it would be the D line so that your run defense on the edges was better and your you have a better pass rush. And that'll have a cas a positive cascading effect, a domino effect, if you will. It'll make the the coverage better because guys will have to cover less time and it'll make the linebackers better because they can free float to the football. Yep. It'll it'll help so much. So I go D line if I could pick any position. And I basically just after thinking for one minute would probably flip over because I wasn't taking into account coaching and when you think about what you can hide via scheme oh. when you have in Bijan uh, don't even need an O line. <laughs> no, he bra- and neither does Roshan. Right. Exactly. Go, go look what they did last year with exactly. last year's O line. Like Bijan could run behind this group here. Exactly. <laughs> so when you look at and then when you look at the D line, and we haven't seen have any confidence to see you elevate your players via scheme over there. Nope. And even though you would hope to think that your staff at Texas could do that, if you don't have that evidence yet, I'd like to if you were to buy one side to be successful, I'd buy that side to be the one that needs yeah. to get the improvement. Plus, yep. I really believe this, too, with, with the pieces, to me, almost regardless of who the quarterback is, you got your your structure on offense should be sound enough to where if you're Sark, it, it, becomes, it becomes less about the whole of the offensive line and more about the individual pieces mm-hmm. at that point. In other words, exactly. it's, it's much easier to say, you know what, everything around this group is good, and if this group is going to struggle – I would rather it be Kelvin Banks and DJ Campbell and Hayden Connor struggling, but getting those live reps than whoever you fill up front needs to come out. Yep. No, I'm with you. I, that's and, I, I, and invest yep. in the younger guys. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Sark, we all know he's, he's going to invest in younger guys. Yeah. He's trying to turn this roster over as quickly as possible. The offseason shows that with close to 40% of the roster turned yeah. over. So he wants to, he wants to work the younger. And I think that, like I said, the offense has so many weapons. Mm-hmm. It, you can emphasize quick game, and I think that Sark's going to do that this year with the RPO game. Yep. You're going to, and this is you know the key for those those tight ends he's bringing in. And I know Sark doesn't throw his tight ends a lot, but those tight ends still have to be able to at least threaten safeties vertical downfield. That'll open up your RPO game and your 12 personnel, one back, two tight ends. Remember those safeties. I kept watching it last year, man. They're flat foot reading your 12 personnel yeah. uh, reps. So you can't run RPO, man. They're going to pick that and run straight to the house. Yeah. Because uh, they they're, they're know those tight ends aren't running routes that are even more than five yards downfield with Kate Brew and Jared Wiley. That's going to change this year. Uh, and also with Sark, he knows that, and I hope he knows, that the quick game, just even because the RPO game aside is is a version of the quick game in my opinion. It's kind of quick game with the, with the run game, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if he can get the quick game going with the wide receivers on the outside, um, I think basically that'll insulate pass protection for him. And it'll get your quarterbacks in a rhythm and your quarterbacks won't struggle gaining confidence because it'll be a new quarterback, maybe. Uh, you don't want them to have struggle with gaining confidence and gaining some chemistry continuity with those new wide receivers. To, to, to promote that, quick game, man. The NFL knows this. 60% of all passes in the NFL is zero to three steps. Yeah, yep, Our I, RPO game can be your quick game if you've got a quarterback that can process it quick, that has quick hands. Which yours and Hudson Card both supposedly have. 
Yep, and I mean, you're spot on with the quick game. That was going to be what I brought up because it's the only thing, like you talk about pass rush, that's the most, you know, uh, impact plays that come from them on defense. Mm -hmm. You can negate that if you have a quarterback that understands and has the skill sets of players around them, and Texas has those type of guys. In under three seconds, I mean, you saw certain quarterbacks, if you have a good game, some of them would be under two and a half seconds in the NFL, which is crazy. Texas. And exactly, then you can't defend that. At that point, it comes down to, the opposition, if they have DBs that just live in the film room, they might be able to pick up on some tendencies, yep. and that's the only thing that can defend you because you're negating if you have that disadvantage at the O-line or if the opposing team just has elite defensive ends and tackles, you're going to make them have to be just putting their hands up. And they put exactly. their hands up, yeah. they can't rush they the can't passer. Rush. Amen, brother. Great point. And that's yep. exactly what the, the adjustment will be like. Man, we can't mm-hmm. get there. You guys got to get your hands up. And then you're no then longer you worried about that. You, you run Mission everything. accomplished. Uh-huh. Mission accomplished. You wanted to You've uh, defuse. It. Exactly. Defuse the pass rush. Um, a couple things here real quick. Rod, what you just talked about, roster turnover, it just got me thinking. Another advantage Sark has, and I'm not saying this is exclusive to Texas because it's not, this two-year period where you're going to have no cap on initial counters, all you got to do is manage the 85. That's a great point. You're going to see guys go in the portal, and it's not going to be because they're down on Sark or they're down on Texas. All across the country, especially with your top-end Power 5 programs, you're, you're going to see some churn. Some purge. At the bottom of the roster. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I can see that. I bet it's already kind of going is, on anyway. Well, but for the coaches, this is your answer to the tr- two guys just jumping in the portal. Pretty okay. much. Okay. Like, you jump in the portal? All right. Yeah. Cool. You're go, right. Go to the and portal. they do have, they, like, we jump in the portal. They can, like, take the scholarship back, can't they? Yeah. They don't usually do it with a big time player, but they, they can do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think the other thing that gives Texas fans hope, again, we talked about, you know, could Texas go in the Big 12? We just laid it out, and we'll get more into this as we get to talking about the Big 12 as a, as a whole as we do more research on the league, and this is about the time where we start doing it. Can Texas go win 10 games and go be in the conference championship game? It's not out of the realm of possibility no. because I think when you – and again, these are some of these are the COVID year in 2020 to last year, but you look at those second-year improvements and the big ones, the big three, Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss going from five wins to ten. Sam Pittman at Arkansas going from three wins to nine, mm-hmm. and then Mel Tucker at Michigan State going from two wins to 11. All three of those guys did it in very different ways with very different rosters, very different circumstances, but they're not. it's not like Sark doesn't have some of those same advantages, hasn't used some of those same tools. You've had a better offseason than they did, ones. I bet. If I go back and look at their offseasons, I, I bet I could put money you had a better offseason than they did. Yeah. So. Michigan State, I know that he was able to do it with just transfers and immediately. Go to transfers. Wake Forest and get the Doak Walker Award winner. On, you know, man. like that type of stuff can happen in one year. You know, yep. Mel, Mel Tucker did it with the portal. Lane Kiffin did it with the returning quarterback of Matt Corral and building around him and building that high powered offense. And then Sam Pittman and Arkansas, we saw what they had in the trenches. They did. <laughs> and he, yeah, and they had and two Barry great o- OCs. And Odom, yeah, yeah. I, like, I like, I mean, the OCs are, I saw the OC and the DC. Both so of I guess that would be the, 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 the deal for Sam Pittman was just lights out coaching staff. That's one thing I want Sark to work on, too. He needs to work on his approach to the three safety defense. Yeah. He's getting his butt whipped by it. Barry Odom is putting it on him. And then Iowa State put it on him. So I wonder if that may be something that he struggles with or he's, uh, it's just a bad he matchup. He also may never seen it before. Maybe it's a bad matchup for it. We saw it at Alabama when he played against Barry Odom, right? But, a little bit. But 
Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. I'm talking to Matt. Yeah, scene, you yeah, know, no, you're yeah, right. Yeah. But different talent. He yeah, couldn't yeah, yeah, pull yeah. the same triggers. He, he was Yeah, yeah. There, there was even there's even some analytics that actually point out that that Barry Odom's defense, even when he was uh, coaching against Sark when he was at actually, Bama, I remember that had some success. But we talked about that. And we talked about it before the Arkansas mm-hmm. game. Remember, yeah. and it came to fruition. Right. And then Iowa State. And I was when I was like, man, I wonder if he's able to adjust to it better. Nope, Iowa State. You know, put it on Texas and whip them and embarrass them. So I wonder yeah. if that's an issue with them. So, and I don't think anybody else runs it. It's kind of unique. But yeah, if I'm a coach, I start thinking, I know it's only two samples, but I might break it out against Texas. Yeah. Uh, Baylor could even mimic some of that just Baylor because you got a guy like Jalen Petrie who did so many different things yeah. for you. And you could use him kind of like, you know, yeah, that's right. Arkansas used like a Jalen Catalan type guy or like how Iowa State. Greg Eisworth was so good. He was in that role. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Uh, all right, so you guys are going to talk Big 12 or Texas or three safety defense or whatever next week. Appreciate it, brother. Uh, I'll be on the beach. Enjoy so it. I'll see you guys when I get back. Matt, sure. thanks for everything, man. You're more than welcome. Rod B., appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother, anytime. For Matt, for Rod, for everybody at the Austin Radio Network and the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260. Streaming on the Horn app at hornfm.com, where you can hear Rod B. each and every weekday on Ball Don't Lie with Mike Hard from 3 to 7. Same as plug. You can also catch myself and Craig Way each and every weekday on Light the Tower from 10 to noon. And thanks to Matt, you can get all of our archives. Our classic interviews and shows are available on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. Search Horns 24-7 anywhere you get your podcast. Horns 247, no dashes, no slashes. Click that follow button. Get every episode of Longhorn Blitz when it drops on Tuesdays. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Deucible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must-listen. Download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found.